We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the Tuesday Roto-Wire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by RealitySportsOnline.com. Be sure to use the promo code WIREPOD when you sign up today. I'm Jake Letarski, joined today by Eric Katuri. If you're out there on Twitter, please give Eric a follow at ETCAT30. You can follow me on Twitter at JakeSki52, J-A-K-E-S-K-I. 5-2, just a lucky number there if you were wondering here. Eric, we've got a lot of big news to get to today. First and foremost, one of the biggest news from a fantasy standpoint, arguably the biggest news here, we'll get to a few other big stories here, but Josh Gordon has been conditionally reinstated to the National Football League. He will start the 2016 season with a four-game suspension, uh, so he'll be able to take the field here week five against the Patriots. Also, ironically enough, it'll be Tom Brady's season debut after he gets back from his deflate gate suspension. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on the news? Surprise, not surprised? Does he move up your radar quite a bit in fantasy this year? Are you kind of sticking to where his current spot is taking a conservative approach? I would. I'm going to be very conservative, I guess, on this point. Um, let's see his quarterback situation. RG three. He does have experience with that guy from college in Baylor, at Baylor. On the other hand, RG three has really fallen off a cliff since his uh, you know breakout his rookie in the year, league really. in 2012. Uh, and then uh, Josh McCown is you know the other option at QB that he'll be attempting to hook up with. Uh, that battle will be broken down in camp, and I guess we'll find out 
eventually who the main man's going to be, but I'm not really inspired by other, either candidate. Yeah. I mean, whatever he gets has to be better than what he's used in the past, or at least on sure. the same playing field. So you got to think he's never had a good quarterback to work with. He's relied on his skill set, his quickness, his agility, even getting the ball on short passes and making things happen in that sense. So what, what we, I think here is I look at his ADP, sure. uh, just kind of a, a, a sneak preview to where we're getting later in the show. We're going to do tight end ADP. But as far as receiver ADP, according to the NFFC, you got Josh Gordon, 72 among wide receivers. 72. I feel like that's undervalued by about 20, 30 spots, right? Yeah, that's you're talking about like the six wide out in a twelve team, twelve team league. Uh, yeah, yeah he you, should, you probably have to bump him up to like wide mm-hmm. receiver four at least. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just for uh, I mean, now I guess who would you rather have on the Browns? Do you go to Josh Gordon with the four game suspension, or do you draft Corey Coleman first, the rookie with a little bit of a question mark? I think that's a tough one because Coleman almost a full thirty spots ahead of Gordon in IDP. Coleman's surrounded by guys like Doriel Green Beckham, Travis Benjamin, Marcus Wheaton, Sterling Shepard, Laquan Treadwell. Personally, I'm going to roll the dice, and I like Gordon more than any of those guys. But, I mean, just on his own team, where do you think Gordon stands? Yeah, well, <laughs> I'd probably call him number one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to rookie wideouts, so I think it's been a little easier for them to actually break into the league immediately, mm-hmm. you know, the past few seasons. Um, we've seen guys like Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry immediately make an impact. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Corey, Corey Coleman will actually do that, especially since he doesn't have the type of quarterback that you know those other two guys had. On the other hand, it could happen. Yeah, absolutely. And plus, I mean, he's going to be playing for you know four more games in Gordon, so maybe I, that's mm-hmm. why I would probably put him a li- slightly higher. Yeah, Coleman will get you know a few more reps here, but you also do need to think uh, there are going to be. Some other options, I still think, honestly, until Gordon gets back, Gary Barnage might be the top pass-catching option yeah, there, I'm with uh, regardless of who's the quarterback. So something to think about there. But, uh, yeah, so Josh Gordon, he jumps up on my draft board a whole lot. I really like him. The biggest thing, though, he's one hiccup. I guess we're going to use that word again today. But he's one small <laughs> misstep away yeah. from being banned from the league for good. So he's very risky to take in dynasty formats. Uh, and he's he's even risky this year because he drinks alcohol. He's suspended. He gets he shows up somewhere he's not supposed to be. Goodell character issue gone. Discipline he's, policy. He's you're, seen you're on he's seen on Instagram uh, with Jan, Johnny Manziel. Yeah, that's probably the worst move he can make with Johnny Manziel, who is probably a year or two away from selling used cars here. But let's move on to the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers, where of course we have the Le'Veon Bell appealing a four game suspension for missing his drug test. Now. If you're in the drug program, you need to make yourself available to the NFL. There's no question about that. Missing a drug test is the same as failing a drug test. So I guess if you're going to smoke dope anyway, you might as well just skip your test. But regardless, Le'Veon Bell thinks he's going to appeal. Does he have a case? So we're calling this actually missed drug test because you're only suspended after you know missing one or two drug tests. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can't list, miss multiple drug tests. So he had to get he had to actually skip a few to actually get to this point, mm-hmm. and you know that's kind of worrisome. And there was wasn't there an ominous tweet around four twenty that he mentioned, uh, you know, I don't think the NFL was... is just surprisingly uh, going to test uh, tomorrow, yeah. which coincided with, I think, the Steelers starting their offseason program, but a loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't call the tweet ominous. He was kind of joking, right. like, okay, no. NFL, it's after 420, come get me, you're, I'm clean. I just, it's yeah. just like you're asking for it at that point, though. Yeah, exactly, you're asking for it, but if you're inviting it and you know you're clean, you might as well get a test out of the way while people exactly while you know you're clean yeah if that's the case he uh comedically was uh i, I believe hit both him and Legarrette aptly named blunt have uh have gotten the suspension in the past so that's kind of what got Le'Veon bell into the drug treatment program uh but i do like the surrounding fantasy options on pittsburgh all of a sudden d'angelo williams need, just needs to creep them to, into consideration because I, yeah. I know it's only a first four-week thing but you got to think of it this way it's four big big weeks of utility He'll always be the backup or the handcuff to Bell if he gets hurt, injured, or if he gets if he actually fails a drug test, then he's gone the rest of the season and D'Angelo Williams is a top twenty back. So if anything bumps the value up there, but I mean, I don't really I can't get into Goodell's head. I don't know how this appeal process is gonna go. Yeah, the really too early to tell. Yeah, the potential for uh D'Angelo to get a lot of playing time is offset mm-hmm. by his age, which is thirty three, about to be thirty four. Yeah. That's 30. always something you gotta keep in the back of your mind. But mm-hmm. as long as he's getting, you know, 
his reps are capped. He's going to be a very good option. Yep. Let's move up to Titletown, USA, though, where news <laughs> came from uh, Green Bay, who opened training camp today, uh, where Jordy Nelson, who missed all of last season with a knee injury, is going to join the newly signed tight end Jared Cook and second-year wide receiver Ty Montgomery on the physically unable to perform list. It sounds like he experienced a quote-unquote hiccup in his knee again it's the it's the knee not the knee that he injured last year so it's less concerning than it could be how worried are you about Jordan Nelson I'm actually a bit worried because apparently this injury according to Rob Domoski happened that Rob Domoski is a Packers beat writer for ESPN.com mm-hmm. um, anyway Domoski said that this injury hurt, occurred at the end of minicamp he was the Packers were probably hoping to hide the injury and hope that he healed over the ensuing month mm-hmm. until training camp started, but apparently it's still an issue. Yeah. We're not sure when he's going to be able to practice. On the other hand, Jordy is very confident that he'll be ready for week one. I mean, any player in a situation will say, yes, I'll be ready for week yes, one. Yes, exactly. We need to see probably some additional tests, a little bit of additional evaluation I mean, there. It's going to be all about when he gets back on the field and can actually play in a game. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to have to play a wait and see yeah, I mean, drafts so far, I've seen Jordy Nelson as a late first, early second round yeah, pick. exactly. But any draft that starts after today, you got to imagine he's slipping into the third, fourth, or even fifth round just because of the uncertainty. He already had the health risk last year, yeah. and now all of a sudden it's popping up again. So it's something to watch very closely as Packer camp continues moving right. forward here. Um, some additional pup candidates here i guess official placements on the pup list uh we've got some patriots julian edelman and danny amendola pretty much their top uh their top two receivers there yep. and uh, as well as Deion lewis uh one of their running backs dealing with the injury that forced them to miss a good part of last season and then of course on the idp slash team defensive side jj watt starts out on the pup list here are you concerned about any of those players um actually probably only jj watt because mm-hmm. i've did love Houston's defense coming into the uh, into the season, but then this news comes out over the last you know thirty six to forty eight hours, mm-hmm. and or more than that. But you know recently, um, he might be placed on the pup list to start the regular season, which would mean he'd miss the first six games. That's just going to have a trickle down effect on mm-hmm. Houston's roster at that point. Yeah, that'd be a brutal break for Houston. I mean, J.J. Watt's a playmaker. He swats balls at the line of scrimmage. He gets in quarterbacks' faces. At the very least, he needs to be double or triple teamed every play. So a trickle-down effect is uh, exactly uh, the right way to put it there. Uh, A couple other signings to get to before we jump into tight end average draft position. Uh, Anquan Bolden signs with the Lions. Who does this hurt more? Does it hurt the Marvin Joneses and Corey Fullers, who will likely get bumped down the depth chart? Or does it have a real negative effect on Golden Tate, can he actually eat into Golden Tate's targets? I think Golden Tate is going to basically sustain his level of targets from the last few seasons uh, in Detroit. Mm-hmm. It's going to hurt Marvin Jones for sure and uh, Corey Fuller. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that yeah. assessment. He, Fuller, I'm a little hesitant on as a rookie anyway yeah. with Matt Stafford and the other receivers around there. there was, I, I had maybe liked him after the draft, but the more I think about it and the more they get their roster put together here, Fuller's a late, late-round flyer at best these days. Yeah, Probably I, a waiver pickup. I think uh, Matthew Stafford's going to find pretty quick comfort with uh, Anquan Bolden, actually. Mm-hmm. He just seems to find ways to get open, even though he's going to be 36 I think in October Uh, he just find ways to get open Mm -hmm. and it's just going to be like a kind of elder version of Calvin Johnson though not with the you know downfield threat yeah I mean give Bolden a a few more years and he's going to be working his way into record books he's been in the league for quite some time now and I didn't mention this in the Josh Gordon thing but I saw an interesting graphic today in their first two NFL seasons only three receivers have racked up more receiving yards. One's recently, that's Odell Beckham, and then two and three are Randy Moss and Jerry Rice. So, uh, I mean, record-wise, that's why Bolden led me to that, but that's Josh Gordon who, you know, once again – potentially illustrating his uh, value to the the Browns. Okay. But here, let's have one more signing to get to today, and that comes out of, uh, let's see, Buffalo, it looks like here. Reggie Bush has signed with the Buffalo Bills, it it appears. He's got a lot of competition on that depth chart here. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, Carlos Williams, maybe he works his way underneath there. The way I see it, with Sammy Watkins hurt in a pretty weak receiving core, why don't they just split him out in the slot a little bit as a wide receiver? I know this is all speculation at this point, but can he find a way to the field in Buffalo at, at this stage in his career? Yeah, I think uh, 
in order to keep uh, LaShawn McCoy healthy, this is actually going to be a little more of a timeshare than we expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Carlos Williams came into camp uh, well overweight, and hence the reason he's uh, ruled out right now. Okay. Um, so I, I think there is a chance here, but Reggie Bush is coming off a – what is the exact it's injury It's a again? knee injury. Last November, he tore his MCL yes. and meniscus, uh, only carried the ball eight times last so, year. So, yeah, luckily it's not as serious as an ACL. Mm-hmm but it's still going to be, you know, something to keep an eye on. Yeah, and based on our latest update, it doesn't actually look like it is official official just yet, but I see Bush's agent is working out the details of a contract with the Bills, so okay. all signs leaning towards that. We don't have anything official yet, but uh, all right, so that'll wrap up the latest news for the day. Let's start talking about tight end average draft position. Of course, our crew has gone over quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs over the last couple days. That puts us to land on tight ends, a pretty manageable position group to break down. I think we can all agree Rob Gronkowski is not only number one, but he's in a tier of his own. There, There's nobody else uh, at the tight end position that's even close to the upside that he can bring and provide. He's yeah. the only tight end that should even be considered in the first round. And I think if you threw out any and all injury risk and that didn't get accounted into the rankings, I think Gronkowski might be a top three or four overall player there. Um, yeah, even with uh, Tom Brady out for the first four games, I would definitely... I'd actually, I think that might actually help out his uh, fantasy utility because mm-hmm. uh, who's going to be like, who's going to provide like incredible comfort for yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo and his, you know, exactly. first forays as a starter? Mm-hmm. I mean, Edelman's a little bit undersized and him and Garoppolo might not have the timing down yet. Sure. And then he had to judge Garoppolo on his deep balls. But Gronk's a huge target. I mean, that you, you yeah, can you find can... over the middle, you can get him, and then he's going to roll people over and continue going. So it's going to help the young quarterback. Yeah. And say you're in the red zone, just like aim for the crossbar. And, you know, Rob is probably going to go up and get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so. No question there. Gronk number one tier of his own first round pick. We've got that down. Most fantasy owners do. The question marks start coming up when we kind of get into that second tier of tight ends. Now, intriguingly, we've got Jordan Reed with a average draft position of 36 overall, number two among tight ends. So we're looking like a late second, early third round pick, and he's kind of up there in a tier with Greg Olson, Travis Kelsey. Maybe if Tyler Eifert were healthy, he'd work his way into that tier. But uh, we've got a list of guys that we think are a little too high and a little too low. Jordan Reed checks in on your two high list there do you want to kind of elaborate on that for us i um well first uh his injury history doesn't uh lend itself to help me believe that he will actually be on the field for all 16 games mm-hmm. and so here are his games played nine games in 2013 11 and 14 14 and 2015 I don't know if the upward trend is not going to be sustained here just because of that injury history I can see him easily missing four games. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that they've brought in uh, wide receivers in the past two off seasons to, you know, prepare for the loss, potential loss in free agency or whatever with, uh, jo- or sorry, uh, Desha- Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garcon. Those guys are getting up there in age. They're going to be free mm-hmm. agents, I believe, after this season. So they've drafted Josh Doxson and Dram- Jamison Crowder to prepare for that fact mm-hmm. i can easily see him uh reed not getting as many targets as he did last year yeah i mean reed's numbers last year though tough to deny he only played yes. 14 games 11 touchdowns 87 catches for 952 yards 10.9 yards or 8.4 yards per target that was also a career best so he's one that in the if you if we always like to talk about the hypothetical rule out injury rankings he's he's up there for mm-hmm. sure, and he's going to be the second tight end taken in most drafts. Are you saying you wouldn't you would take Olsen or Kelsey first, though? I would definitely take Olsen and perhaps Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just looking at um, his first two seasons. Yes, he was injured. Yes, he wasn't. He didn't have Kirk Cousins on the other end of those passes, but he only scored three touchdowns on uh, 95 receptions last mm-hmm. year. It was 11 on 87. That is probably going to you know fall back a bit I, you can't expect him to get double digit touchdowns this season and then there's also vernon davis around in washington not sure. that it's going to cut too much in a reed snap count but it's another skilled tight end that when given a halfway decent quarterback can really make things happen in the fantasy community yeah, so for sure you can't really ignore uh vernon davis here i'll touch on greg golson though real quick you said you like him more than jordan reed in the rankings this year i see where you're coming from i was all over greg olson last year because i figured he was going to get the bulk of the targets with kelvin benjamin missing now that 
that Calvin Benjamin's coming back, there are two ways to look at it. A, does he get less double coverage, talking about Olsen here, or or B, does the decrease in projected targets actually work against him? I think you can see it both ways here, but overall, the two sides of the story, I can see balancing each other out a little bit. Yeah, so Calvin Benjamin, we know, played in his rookie season before getting injured last year. Um, and that also coincided with, I believe, Olsen's uh, first season, right, with the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that season, Olsen had 84 receptions for 1,008 yards and six touchdowns. He actually fell back in the receiving department last year when Calvin Benjamin wasn't there and had 100 more yards and one more touchdown. Yeah. I mean, he, he basically sustained the level mm-hmm. with Benjamin and then without yeah. I, I mean, think I think I know he's getting up there in age, but I think he can actually keep it up. I mean, he's 31, and tight ends we see yeah. the Tony Gonzalez's, the Jason Wintons of the world can play late into their or to the mid to late 30s a little bit. And you look at, uh, I mean, yeah, just look at him since joining Carolina: five touchdowns, five touchdowns, six touchdowns, six touchdowns, seven touchdowns. It's been a steady upward slope for Olson, and his receptions actually went down a little bit last year, but the t- and the targets stayed almost exactly the same here even when Calvin Benjamin was around I mean, here so I think uh, I honestly think that he is a very very solid he's a safe option here not quite as risky as as Reed I think Reed sure. Reed might have a higher ceiling per se because if he does play all 16 games his uh I mean the yards per target number well actually Olsen had the edge last year even with an 8.9 yards per target but so Reed might have a higher ceiling if he plays 16 games maybe more red zone targets the I mean the Redskins don't really have running backs that can punch it in traditional style and then you know you got the receivers getting older there so I mean there's a chance so Reed might get more looks in the red zone the Panthers just have more options on offense and of course Cam Newton vultures everybody's goal line carries in the red zone but that being said Olsen a solid number three tight end here of course Um, But let's move on down the list. Uh, You've got Travis Kelsey checking in next. I don't see much of a role change from last season. A lot of the supporting cast is is quite similar. You've got Jeremy Macklin, Jamal Charles will be back. Alex Smith still throwing him the ball. Kelsey has really been one of Alex Smith's better targets. I mean, Macklin, I think, exceeded expectations as well. So there's a lot to like there. But there's not a whole lot interesting to talk about. I think you get what you see here. But as you move down the list, the number five tight end in average draft position Tyler Eifert, there's a lot to talk about because there's a lot of question marks, including will he be around early in the season? Could he miss week one or possibly beyond that? Does that how much does that diminish Eifert's value in your book, Eric? I think it does a lot. He's going to miss all of training camp because he's not going to be able to get in those reps. Mm-hmm. Who knows when he's actually going to be able to start to practice because of the broken ankle that he suffered in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fully expecting him to miss week one and week two. Um, and if he does come back, how effective is he? What if he has a setback? I mean, there there are so many question marks going into it uh, that mm-hmm. I don't feel really that comfortable taking him as a number five tight end. Yeah. If uh, at that point, like I'm probably I would probably take the best skill position player mm-hmm. and kind of wait for you know somebody farther down this list like. Right. Um, Ladarius Green. Yeah. I mean, would you put guys like Delaney Walker and Colby Fleener above Eifert? Because I think there seems to be a little bit of a drop-off somewhere in there. A lot of people have Delaney Walker up there, but I guess, uh, you know, guys that are more than likely going to put play uh, uh, somewhat close to a full 16 games, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt over Eifert. I think you always got to love the tight end that's in New Orleans, whoever it is. And Corey, sorry, Colby Fleener is the clear number one there. Mm -hmm. Um, I would probably swap him with Eifert. Um, I mean, with Eifert out though, like you go farther down this list, uh, Tyler Croft is actually, I believe, where is he at? He's 37, 37 in ADP. He's someone that's going to sneak in. Uh, Yeah. He's speaking of, I'm looking for a third tight end in one of my 20 round NFL tens. I'm going to go out there right after this pot and see if Croft's available just based on the analysis so far. Uh, so here are two guys. If that, if you're in that position that I would take, uh, Croft and Will Ty in the Giants. Mm-hmm. If uh, Will Ty is there, I'd probably lean more towards him because he's mm-hmm. going to have more consistent snaps this yeah. season. And we're talking deep leagues. These are yeah. 14 or 16 leaves, le- team leagues or a best ball league like an MFL 10 where you do a whole 20 rounds and have a deep roster here. So, uh, yeah, so uh, kind of related, going back to uh, 
I'm sorry, going back to Kobe Fleener here, uh, the other name that always seems to be, has been related to Fleener over the last few years is Dwayne Allen. Now, he's of the Colts, of course, and, and Fleener used to be alongside him in Indianapolis here. Dwayne Allen, the number 15 overall tight end. You always think kind of a red zone threat with him, but ADP says he's not a tight end one in a 12-team league, but does his value actually increase this year with Fleener gone? Oh, man. I think it actually sustains. Um, sustains? I mean, they got Jack Doyle behind him on the depth chart. Maybe yeah. they keep Eric Swoop. I don't know how many tight ends they're actually going to keep on their roster there. But number one tight end at Indianapolis mm-hmm. with Andrew Luck as the quarterback. Now, they've got Hilton, Moncrief, and Dorsett to throw the ball to. Not really much of a backfield, typical Colts stuff. But, I mean, it's red zone targets with Dwayne, well- Dwayne Allen. He's not much of a chain mover guy. But he's a sizable enough body at 6'3", 265, that he can hauling the ball in the red zone right yeah the I know that I know he had uh Kobe Fleener with him those first four seasons with the Colts so mm-hmm. you know his target counts were kind of capped uh but in his rookie season is when he maxed out 66 targets since then 250 and 29 mm-hmm. I know that's because of injury concerns but that's exactly the reason he's probably you know at the correct place yeah. in the ADP rankings right now yeah but here's the thing in 2014 he was targeted sure. 50 times Scored eight touchdowns. Yep. What if he gets 100 targets this year? Does does that make double-digit touchdowns a possibility? You have to imagine it does. Yeah. Um, one other thing with the Colts, they're going to be running a three-wide base offense uh, this season, mm-hmm. meaning that uh, those three wideouts are going to be contending for targets as well. Yeah. Um, with Just uh, a lot Allen. of mouths to feed. Yeah, yeah. I don't see Allen between the 20s doing a whole lot, but if you're in a touchdown-only sure. league, I think Dwayne Allen's value sure. gets bumped a bunch. Like, oh, yeah, I touch, some, some leagues only do you know six <laughs> points for touchdowns, no PPR, no points for yards, or maybe they do a point every 25 yards, something like that. If yep. you're in a league that heavily values touchdowns, then uh, then you go to Allen, and he becomes a tight end one and a 12-teamer. If not, I like him in best ball because of those NFL 10s that I do where it picks your best lineup every week. I, I tried to get him there. I just missed him. I do like him in those formats because you'll get his touchdown weeks, his multi-touchdown weeks even to count for you. But to rely on him in a, on a week-to-week basis is quite a bit risky here. So among, uh, say, this uh... – for some of tight ends, uh, who do you think is actually the lowest on the rankings? Ladarius Green, Martellus Bennett, Zach Miller, Jared Cook, uh, and also Crockett Gilmar, I should say, five. I would put, I mean, Cook, actually, it, it, for me, it's between Cook and Gilmore because Cook has Richard Rodgers and he's starting the year on the pup list. Crockett Gilmore, on the other hand, in Baltimore, another very skilled tight end. And he's grouper. way down at 39 right yeah. now. Crockett Gilmore, I mean, he's he's way down there, but mostly because he probably is competing against Ben Watson and Max Williams, and who knows if Dennis Pitta will be able to come back. Chances mm-hmm. are one of those tight ends is going to get cut one yeah, way or another. I mean, you. nobody's going to keep four tight ends on the on the roster. I would guess Pitta is probably the more likely candidate to get cut, but if any of these guys has a bad camp, they could be on the chopping block as well there. But, uh, yeah, so so Cook and Gilmore out of that group, I, I don't like so much. You mentioned Ladarius Screen. He's at the top of your undervalued or too low list here. Uh, you want to elaborate on that a bit? Yeah, with uh, with Martavis Bryant suspended for the entire season, there's a opening for the number three receiver. We're, we say number three because uh, – you know, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell are the top two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but now with Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell off the first four, four games, games. Yep. that, that means a hell of a lot more targets for, or for uh, Ladarius Green. Mm-hmm. I really love him. I, he's I think my, he's, he's, he's my tight end one in the first best ball I took. I oh, waited nice. on tight end, and I waited on tight end, and I was like, all right, well, I better go ahead and get I let, I let Colby Fleener, Dwayne Allen, all these guys pass up. I was like, got to get myself some Ladarius Green. So I'm counting on him for a big-time season here. So we're we're seeing him at, in this uh, NFFC rankings, tight end rankings, at number 11 in the range of 85 and 142, mm-hmm. average 106. Yeah. I mean, that is that should be bumped up probably about 30 picks in my opinion. Yeah, right on here. Other um so yeah, he's he's a he's a tight end one in a 12 team league according to this ADP and I think the ceiling's to be even in the top 6 or 7 tight ends this year. Yeah. I think he has absolute potential to do that. Another tight end on your undervalued list a little bit. Heading on over to New England. You actually like Martellus Bennett a lot with his new team. How do you think his role will be changing uh in New England because we've seen we talked about this before, of course, different styles of players, but the Patriots have had good success with two tight ends before and have had shown the capability of having two 
tight end ones in fantasy in the past. Can that be recreated in 2016? I, I don't know if it can be re- recreated. Uh, on the other hand, I, as I mentioned earlier, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to rely on the, you know, on his handcuffs and uh, those guys that can easily get open um, and not necessarily quick hitting routes either. Uh, so that means, you know, Rob Gronkowski's by far the number one uh, tight end and Martellus has the potential to, you know, approach tight end one. Mm-hmm. Um, all, the fact that uh, New England also has injury prone wide receivers, that could mean that he's fairly often the number two option in the passing game. Exactly. Especially with Amendola and Edelman starting on the pup list. That doesn't mean they'll start the season on the pup list, but I mean, both of those guys have been banged up. Edelman's had his concussion things. Amendola has you know, various hamstring, those type of issues kind of throughout, trickled up throughout his career. So yeah. if those guys become the top receivers, who knows what could happen there. The last guy that I want to talk about here before we wrap up today, someone that might be a little bit of a point of contention between us. Now that's Gary Barnage of the Cleveland Browns. We kind of hinted on him with the Gordon, <laughs> with the, uh, when talking about the Gordon's uh, story a little bit earlier. But right now sits at the number nine overall uh, ADP in terms of tight ends here, uh, just inside the top 100 overall, all positions here. I guess, based on your notes here, you're telling me he's not a top 10 top 10 tight end um yeah like well <laughs> i just discussed uh you know ladarius green i mm-hmm. think he's you, uh, you, he would, should you would sure. flip-flop those two ladarius green should probably go above gary barnage in, in yeah. that situation here the only reason i'm on barnage is because i think he's a little bit quarterback proof even with the terrible situation sure. here um i'm the only thing i'm worried about with him is is he a one-hit wonder um yeah. he had done basically nothing in his career before last season 79 catches a thousand yards nine touchdowns on mm-hmm. on 125 targets um he's also i'm looking up his age here quick i think he's already in his 30s though. 31 yeah yeah he's 31 years old gonna be thir- turning 32 this season he's helped by the fact that he doesn't have much uh you know or he hasn't worn down the tread on the tires mm-hmm. um but i ha- i still have to be a little worried about his age it's yeah. a young man's game. Mm-hmm. I can see where you're coming from there. And I just, I say that his last year breakout was because it was the only chance he was ever actually given an opportunity to do sure. it. I mean, 2014 was the first year that he ever hit 25 targets. And the only reason he really got to 25 car- targets is with, uh, you know, Jordan Cameron being injured, injured off and on. I remember when he was with mm-hmm. the Browns here. And I know a lot of people are going to want to fall into that Jordan Cameron trap. I remember I took Jordan Cameron in like the fourth round the year after his big year and got completely burned by it. But that was injury-related, not skills-related. I just think that Barnage has shown last year that he's a little bit quarterback-proof. It didn't matter if it was Manziel or McCown getting him the football you've got him and McCown another year together plus if RG3 maybe wins that job who knows I just think I do think Barnage is a top 10 tight end right. I think he's a tight end one in 12 team formats here that's the, that's me though maybe if, as a former Browns beat writer no. I have a little bit of passion for that but I do think I mean, Gary, Gary Barnage is right where he needs to be I'm, I'm not far behind you if I'm looking at say the top 16 tight ends I see Ladar- Ladarius Green at 11 Martellus Bennett at 16 and i probably want to take a chance in those two before mm-hmm. Gary Barnage but then everybody else I mean that still puts him in the or tight end one you know position in 12 team leagues so I'm, I'm not saying he's not a tight end one yeah he's getting yeah in the 14 and 16 no doubt about it 12 team it gets a little fringier yeah I think he is Eric maybe on the fence a little bit yeah <laughs> all right hey well that'll do it for the Tuesday Rotowire fantasy football podcast here uh, once again, I'm your host, Jake Litarski. You can find me on Twitter at jakeski52. And over here, I'm Eric Katuri, and you can find me on Twitter at etcat30. The Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast will be back with you tomorrow.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.